Myself Chakras, episode 119. Where your consciousness goes or where attention goes, energy flows. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Digger? AJ here, and we are back to your hub where science and spirit go hand in hand, where mistakes are learning moments, not failures, and where we believe in execution and not just ideas. Action Tribe, it's been my constant focus to bring on guests who will help you learn a new skill, concept, or strategy that will help you get one step closer to your transformation. But to ensure that happens, I also need to know what are some of the challenges that you are going through, or what is next on your list of skills to learn. And that is why I'm conducting a survey where I ask you just one question. What is your single biggest frustration or passion when it comes to health and wellness? So take a few minutes and give me a response to this question so that I can serve you better. To take part, visit my7chakras.com forward slash survey. That's my7chakras.com forward slash survey. Once again, because it is a survey, the link is my7chakras.com forward slash survey. And we have arrived at the moment to welcome our featured guest for today, Lama. Tantrapa. So Lama, are you ready to inspire? Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. So Lama Tantrapa is the founder of Academy of Chidao, the first and only school Chidao coaching in the world and also the founder of Portland Qigong Clinic, one of just a handful of Qigong clinics in the US. He's the executive producer and host of his own radio show, The Secrets of Qigong Masters. He has authored two books, produced a film, recorded a meditation CD and other multimedia training materials. His unique background is complex enough to include serving in the Soviet Army's special forces being kidnapped in the Ukraine and going through several near-death experiences. His coaching has inspired many professional athletes, speakers, dancers, singers, writers and actors to open up the infinite source of intuition that exists within everyone. So Lama, I've given our listeners a small glimpse into your life, but feel free to take a minute and tell our listeners a bit more about you. One of the simple things that that uh, I usually mention to my listeners and also to people I work with is uh, my favorite quote that actually comes from the Chinese language. In Chinese, it sounds yi dao, qi dao, which can be translated into English as uh, where your consciousness goes or where attention goes, energy flows. Essentially, that's uh, one of my favorite uh, ways of looking at using our consciousness, our minds in applying what it is that we would like to manifest in our lives or essentially we're learning how to manifest and live our dreams and so that's basically what i usually say when people ask me so lama what is it that you do you know you're a tibetan lama what do you do and i say well I help people manifest and live their dreams. Wonderful. I think that's a really powerful quote 
and short and simple where attention goes energy flows action tribe i think it's a great moment right now to ask yourself this question where is your attention right now is it in the here and now what are your goals what do you want to manifest because like lama shared where attention goes energy automatically flows so thanks a lot for sharing this powerful quote with us and with that let's dive in what inspired you to start qigongcoaching.com for many years i've been practicing qigong which i learned as a child and continued practicing pretty much most of my life and at one point when i was working with some of my healing clients in my qigong healing or qigong therapy practice at the portland qigong clinic i realized something i realized that during the sessions people were experiencing tremendous breakthroughs they had amazing transformations right in front of my eyes but then they would go home and when they see them a week or two later for the following session they would often backslide in other words mm-hmm. the transformations wouldn't hold or sometimes it would not be as a consistent or self-sustaining transformation as i would like to see so i started wondering why it was happening why people would not experience greater transformation or uh, continue transforming on their own and i realized that they just didn't do the homework mm-hmm. they didn't do what i told them to do i would prescribe to them certain meditations or uh, certain postural alignments or help them develop uh, particular practices uh, movement practices breathing practices and other qigong practices that they could do at home and they would go home and they would either forget or get distracted by the million things that everybody has in their lives or they would even have some kind of internal resistance to following through on a particular piece of advice that was given to them by an authority. In other words, many people have a certain degree of internal resistance to authority figures telling them what to do. You probably know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, what I realized also was they were not doing what I told them to do because it was my decision. So, had they made decision themselves, they would have been able to follow through a lot easier because they wouldn't be running into their own resistance to authority. And if it was their decision, it would be in better alignment with their own values. And if they were the ones who basically designed their own homework, they would much more likely to actually do it. So, I started studying coaching and eventually also decided to integrate the practice of qigong with the methodologies that I learned studying coaching as well as NLP and hypnosis and developed the new profession called qigong coaching so obviously qigongcoaching.com is simply the address of the website that is dedicated to this art couple of things here you realized that during your sessions one on one sessions with people they were getting those results they were experiencing those wonderful breakthroughs but when they went home and came back at a later stage you felt that they were losing some of the transformations that they achieved during the last meet right. it wasn't consistent and they weren't really doing the homework and you realized you wanted to go to the root cause of why this was happening you realized that it wasn't aligned with their values they weren't the ones making the decisions of doing this in the first place so you took a couple of steps back and you decided how could you integrate coaching the element of coaching and nlp and all those wonderful training in addition to chigong and that's how you started qigong coaching that's right 
You listen very well. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Before moving on, for someone who's new to this world, new to this ancient philosophy and way of life, what is qi? Qi is simply the word for energy. And of course, the ancient Chinese had uh, one perception and one explanation of qi. In modern days, we have different explanations. Mine is really, really simple. Qi equals mc square. To paraphrase Albert Einstein, of course, <laughs> energy <laughs> equals mc square. In other words, everything is qi. Everything is made of energy. And so my practice of qigong, or energy arts, is uh, not about manipulating a certain meridians in the body, trying to send the qi according to where I think it should go. Because how much do we really know where things in the universe should go? Mm -hmm. I mean, we may understand certain laws of nature, but the energy will always flow where the laws of nature guide it. And we may or may not understand those laws fully. And some of them may be a total mystery to us. And even the masters who've been practicing all their lives and uh, they've achieved a high level of skill in energy arts. May also find themselves sometimes feeling like instead of trying to push the energy where I think it should go, I need to actually let energy go where it needs to go. It knows better than me where to flow. So the high level of practice, we actually reverse the phrase that I shared with you in the beginning of our interview. Instead of yi dao, qi dao, we actually flip it around. Qi dao, yi dao, which means where energy flows, we follow with our consciousness and with our breath and with our movement. So in other words, we learn to trust that energy actually knows where to flow and we don't need to manipulate it. We actually need to pay attention. So that's also an interesting transition from intention to attention, you know, because intention is essentially a desire to achieve something different from what is, which also means you don't fully accept what is, mm -hmm. and you have certain expectation of something else is going to be better. And then you have certain attachment to achieving that. Otherwise, you wouldn't develop an intention. And of course, the grass is greener on the other side. So even when we get there, we always find that, oh, there is some other place where I'd rather be. True. As long as we buy into this stereotype of thinking, we are constantly looking for something other than what is. And attention, on the other hand, suggests to simply focusing on what is, recognizing that what is is exactly in alignment with the energies present at this particular moment. And instead of trying to fix or transform, we first accept and learn. And then transformation occurs. Change is the most constant thing in the universe, isn't it? So what we do is we allow the, ourselves to change with the universe. And when we go with that flow of changes in the universe, we are in the flow. And when you are in the flow, or as some athletes would put it in the zone, you are one with the flow of things, with the Tao. Mm -hmm. So again, it's a kind of an interesting Chinese way of looking at it. But when you are one with the universe, you are not struggling anymore because you delegate to powers that are much greater than your personal power most of the actions and most of the decision-making. Does it make sense? It does, it does. In fact, uh, you clearly mentioned that your approach is different. You don't focus on sending chi where you think it should go, not pushing, but actually allowing and letting energy flow where it needs to go because by that process or by that approach, you realize that energy is much more broad, much more all-encapsulating than we ourselves are as an organic. And I love the phrase, chi is equal to mc square. So <laughs> thanks for sharing. Now that we know what chi is, for someone who's new to qigong, what is qigong? Well, as I mentioned, chi is energy. What is gong? It can be translated into English as a practice or work. 
So essentially, it's energy work, or we can even call it energy art. Mm -hmm. Essentially, gong is uh, the word that is can be used as uh, the hard work. Uh, Kung Fu, for example, also consists of the same character, Gong, or Gong, that also applies to martial arts. But Kung Fu also can be applied to a variety of other disciplines, whether it's arts or music or poetry or even flower arrangement. What it means, essentially, is attainment of mastery through a lot of practice, which is basically what we do in Qigong. We practice and realize that we are never on the path to mastery. We are on the path of mastery. We are considering that uh, mastery is a process, not a destination. And we learn how to master a little bit at a time. Each time we become more masterful and there is no end to this journey. So essentially, that's what I consider Qigong. It's the process of mastering energy arts. Beautiful. So you said mastery is not an end goal or an end result. It is a process in itself. I love that. And let's talk about the challenge now. What are some of the reasons why people experience stress, anxiety, or burnout in day-to-day life? Well, my approach to the stress, anxiety, burnout, depression, and similar issues that so many people experience is rather simple. And it has to do with energy resonance. Since we're talking about energy that everything is made of it, it particularly works in that way in our dreams. And I'm talking about both dreams that we have at night and daydreams, Mm. essentially any thought about the past or about the future is a form of a daydream, isn't it? And everything in a dream is made of pure energy, the energy of consciousness, isn't it? Well, so different parts of the dream or different aspects of the dream world that we create in our minds have different energies. Some of them we resonate better with, some of them may not resonate with as well. And by we, I mean the dreamer of the dream. And of course, as we create the dream, obviously all of those energies come from our own dreaming mind, but we identify only with the relatively small part of the spectrum usually. And so those energy in our dreams that we resonate with may be represented by certain characters, dream characters, certain images, certain experiences. When we focus on those things that we particularly resonate with, we experience flow. Energy flows naturally and unobstructed. We experience greater sense of joy and ease, and we're enjoying the ride. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, most people have tendency to focus their attention on those things in their dreaming minds that they don't particularly resonate with. If you ask people, for example, what they want in the future, often they will tell you a lot about what they don't want. Mm -hmm. They don't want to be broke. They don't want to be sick. They don't want to have terrible relationships. They don't want to do stupid job. They know very well what they don't want. And often they don't really know what they want, really. And so what happens as a result is we create more of a nightmare in our dreaming minds. By focusing attention on that, which we don't resonate with, we essentially go against the flow of the dreaming. Well, that's the royal road to turn any dream into a nightmare. Just focus on something that you particularly don't resonate with, that you can't stand. It's like if you go to a museum. Imagine you went to a museum, and there are all these pieces of art on display. Of course, not all of them you'll resonate equally with, right? Some of them you particularly like, and some of them you don't really care about or may even feel some dissonance and, and feel like they shouldn't really belong to this collection of art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, what would it be like if you spent an entire day trip to the museum in front of pieces of art that you really couldn't stand? Just focusing your attention on that thing and just bitching and moaning on how this thing is terrible and how it's really not an art, it's just a piece of junk, it doesn't belong to this museum, that probably would basically turn the, that experience into more of a nightmare kind of a trip to the museum. Well, That's how most people's minds work 
in their dreams, including daydreams. So what we do is we essentially create anxiety by thinking about what it is that we don't want to experience in the future. Of course, if we create such an oblique perception of the future, we will feel anxious about it, we will feel afraid or concerned or worried, which also creates a sense of fear about that future or dread that that future may actually happen. True. And guess what? Where attention goes, energy flows. If you give attention to those elements of your dream that you don't resonate with, they receive attention. They receive energy. You empower the manifestation of exactly that which you focus on. So essentially, we manifest that which we don't want. And then we wonder why we feel burned out mm. or dreading the experience. So love the explanation. Action Tribe, we all have dreams, whether it's a daydream or it's a night dream. And we identify or resonate with certain aspects of each dream, whether again, it's a daydream or night dream. When we focus on things that we resonate with, we experience that sense of flow, a sense of enjoyment, a sense of allowing. But on the contrary, as Lama spoke, when we focus on things that don't really serve us and don't resonate with us, that are not in alignment with our vision, we create that constant nightmare in our lives. But the bottom line is you have that choice whether you want to focus on paintings that you don't like that create a negative vibe within you or paintings that allow you to express who you really are. So thanks for that simple, that wonderful explanation. You're welcome. Moving on, what are some of the benefits of uh, Qigong? Well, since we were talking about dealing with such issues as uh, anxiety, burnout, depression, obviously major benefits include being less anxious, less burnt out, and less depressed. We know that uh, burnout may not be treated by medications, but there are plenty of meds for anxiety and depression and similar issues, which also have tremendous side effects. And they also cost a lot. So in other words, freeing ourselves from the need to take any of those medications would be a, an obvious side effect or obvious benefit of practicing this type of art. Now, of course, there are also many other benefits, including becoming stronger. There are certain strength training practices that I include in my Qigong practice. There are practices associated with becoming more balanced, both mentally and physically. And of course, mind and body are not really separate items. They are parts of the same organism. So if you become more mentally balanced, you become more physically balanced and vice versa. You become more physically and mentally flexible. Mm -hmm. You become more capable of focusing your attention on something that you particularly resonate with and pay attention to your physical body. How does your physical body feel? By and large, when you focus attention on that which you resonate with, your body relaxes because it doesn't receive signals of contraction from central nervous system. It's just not as agitated as it could be if you focus your attention on things you don't resonate with. So obviously, relaxation, ease, sense of flow, and just simply ability to breathe better are obvious benefits of Qigong practice. And they can also extend in becoming a better person, a better partner if you're in, in a relationship, a better business person if you're in business, more creative person if you're a creative individual, a better athlete if you're an athlete or do any sports or martial arts. I've been doing martial arts most of my life, and I know for certain that the practice of Qigong empowered my practice of martial arts manifold. And so it did for many other people taught some of these practices. And obviously, it also has a tremendous spiritual benefit, meaning we become more awake. Because when you realize that in your mind, you're constantly dreaming of something, you can actually learn how to be awake in these dreams. It's just like the practice of lucid dreaming. Mm. When you realize that you're dreaming and when you're having a dream at night, 
you don't have to wake up from the dream. You can continue dreaming, but you are awake in the dream. You realize you are creator of the dream. And that is what we call spiritual awakening in the dream. Now what we do is we learn how to translate it also into our daily lives mm. so that we can awaken in this big dream that we call our daily life and become as lucid as we can be in our lucid dreams at night. Mm -hmm. Now, that's wonderful. And I'm sure so many people would like to free themselves of the medications and pills that really drain and make us weak. They seem like they're solving an issue and you get a relief for a certain period of time. But overall, you have so many side effects. And the more medications that you take, the more you become like a zombie. So going natural and aligning ourselves with the natural flow of the universe, I'll take that any day of the week. <laughs> Now, for someone who really wants to transform their life, how does a person go about learning qigong what's the process like simple find a teacher it's a lot easier to learn if you have a good teacher or a qigong master mm -hmm. not all teachers are of equal standing some are more experienced than others True. so we refer to them as masters even though we also talked about just a few minutes ago that mastery as a process not a destination but Obviously, practicing under the tutelage of somebody who is well-known and well-versed in the practice is helpful. If there isn't anybody in your particular vicinity who offers any Qigong classes or workshops or private individual sessions, you may be able to do one of two things. You can try learning uh, by reading some books or watching some videos, which is kind of like a second-hand experience. Mm -hmm. So, as you can imagine... It's not going to be as effective and as profound, but it's a nice first step, as it were. And I also offer Qigong coaching sessions that can be done long distance. For example, right now we were talking on Skype, and uh, uh, this is the means of communication that I use for most of my coaching sessions with people living worldwide and becoming my Qigong coaching clients. So this is something that I certainly would be happy to offer uh, to your listeners and invite them to experience Qigong firsthand or learning long distance if there isn't a Qigong teacher or Qigong master in the vicinity. Wonderful. So you mentioned the first step is to find that master find that teacher, find that person who is mastered Qigong or is in the process of really, you know, teaching someone Qigong. I'd like to know about your story. How did you first get to know about Qigong? Let's hear that story. Well, as I mentioned, I started studying uh, in childhood. My grandfather was one of the top martial arts masters in the former Soviet Union. He trained Stalin's bodyguards and uh, some of the KGB spooks. Mm. And then when Stalin died, he retired, but still continued practicing and uh, maintained some contacts with some of his former colleagues. And so when I was about six, I was really excited to become a martial artist like my grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> Except in the former Soviet Union, the practice of martial arts was against the law. You actually would go to jail or sent to Siberia if you practice martial arts. So... For me, obviously, uh, the second best option was to practice something that was a little bit less martial arts oriented, such as Qigong. Uh, trust me, there are martial arts applications of Qigong, and many of the practices that I continue practicing to this day are very much like practice of martial arts, but it's very interesting in terms of being non-aggressive, because it's really connected with understanding of the law of karma, the law of cause and effect. And mm -hmm. from that point of view, When you're aggressive, you actually cause yourself more harm and obviously cause harm to others through your aggression 
which essentially is not the way to go. And what we do is we learn how to practice martial arts in a non-aggressive way. Uh, essentially, even if you're a bodyguard, for example, you are studying not to attack people, but to protect well, that's basically my approach to the practice of martial arts, which led me to the interest in Qigong. And also, of course, healing aspects of Qigong were very interesting to me. I grew up relatively strong child but of course like most kids had some issues with health once in a while and also had some injuries so i had to heal myself and qigong definitely helped me with that so that was my initial introduction to the energy arts so for someone listening to this episode this very moment is there a qigong health tip that you'd like to share with our listeners to boost overall health and wellness of course i would suggest standing up standing on your feet first of all sitting a lot isn't particularly healthy. So whenever there is a chance, I prefer to stand. Even right now, I'm not sitting. I'm standing as we speak. I'm walking also. So what happens is that walking and standing are much more healthful ways of being as opposed to sitting. Sedentary lifestyle also leads to obesity and development of numerous other issues. What we do is we learn how to stand in a way that we don't fight against the gravity. Our structure of the human body is such that it can actually rest on the bone structure of the skeleton very well. But most people have some misalignments and they don't rest the weight on the bone structure. So essentially they have to use the muscles to compensate for the lack of structural integrity. Well, of course, muscles are never as strong as bones. Mm -hmm. Plus they burn energy, plus they get tired and then get sore. And if they're being used in a chronic, a repetitive basis, they develop chronic energy blockages because where there is chronic tension, energy doesn't flow freely, just like the blood and lymph don't flow freely through the area of obstruction. So what happens? That causes additional health issues. So instead of misalignment, I suggest finding natural alignment. And the simplest thing to find natural alignment is simply by taking a natural stance. What's natural stance? It's something you can do very simply by jumping and landing soft. You don't have to jump high. Just a few inches off the ground is enough. But what happens is really amazing. When you jump, there's going to be a certain moment when you are in weightlessness mm -hmm. and your body quickly reorganizes, restructures its alignments because it's no longer subject to the gravity pulling it down, and it literally allows the different parts of the body to find their natural place. Once that happens, you land on the ground and you don't fall over. There's going to be a certain impact on the ground, but of course you want to absorb the shock of that impact with your quadriceps, the muscles of your thighs, so you need to bend your knees a little bit. And because your structure is in greater alignment, you land and don't fall over. Now, of course, sometimes you may feel like you are actually losing balance upon landing. So then you just jump and land again. And you can do this several times, do a dozen times if necessary, until you really find that sweet spot where the structure is so aligned that muscles don't have to work. Then when your bones do all the work, the muscles can relax. That means it's not just the muscles relax, it's the central nervous system stops mm. sending signals of contraction to these muscles, which means the central nervous system becomes less agitated and enters a more relaxed, more peaceful state of consciousness. Now that's a simple 
and elegant key to unlocking inner peace. And it also leads to immediate benefit because you can rest on your skeleton and let the energy flow freely through all the tissues and organs of your body. So thanks a lot for sharing that tip. We are definitely going to have that in the show notes. Action Tribe, to access the show notes for this episode, visit my7chakras.com forward slash 119. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 119. Whatever you do may seem insignificant to you, but it's most important that you do it. This is a quote by Gandhi. Action taker, no matter what job you are in right now, remember that you're doing it for a specific reason. You don't know why right now, but this experience or skill will help you in the future. There was a time when I used to work at a retail store and stand all day long. And it's so funny that we spoke about standing right now, selling audio equipment, going to work in the morning and coming back home late in the night. But in retrospect, that job taught me a lot of skills, sales, time management, customer interaction, and so many more things. My point is that you might want to get somewhere, right? You have your vision, you have your goals, and that's fine. But don't criticize yourself for where you are right now. Because as Gandhi once said, it is most important that you do it until you can make that change. So Lama, take us back to a time when you faced a major challenge. How did you approach that situation? And then finally, how did you overcome it? Well, as you mentioned in my bio, uh, in the beginning of this interview, I was once kidnapped. That's one of the major setbacks for anyone. Certainly it was one for me as well. (laughs) Especially since back then I was not a Tibetan Lama. I actually was a businessman. I owned a company that was dedicated to personal security, essentially providing bodyguarding services to foreign businessmen coming to Ukraine. And uh, my job and the job of the people I work with was to protect those clients from getting kidnapped. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. ironically, that is exactly what happened to me. And it's exactly what I realized was not a problem. But of course, it took me a little bit of pondering or meditation, if you will, uh, to arrive to this realization. But obviously, when you get kidnapped, it's not a pleasant experience. It seems like it's a huge problem. And of course, it was a big problem for me because I was hurt and uh, I was uh, put in the trunk of a car and then transported to a root cellar in the countryside and spent three days in the root cellar where I couldn't even stand up straight without food and water. And so it was a pretty tough experience. But what I arrived to was an amazing realization, the realization that I actually dreamed it up. It was a result of the confluence of certain energies in my life. And I contributed some of my energy to the manifestation of that event. So I realized that everything that ever happened to me happened exactly in alignment, in accord with the energies that came together, coalesced at that particular moment in my life. In other words, I realized that at no point in my past, things happened in a way that they were not supposed to happen. Everything Mm -hmm. always happened exactly the way that it had to happen because the energies that coalesced at that particular point in time were such that they supported manifestation of that particular dream. Mm -hmm. Now, that also applied to the present moment. So in the present moment, I also contributed certain energies to the manifestation of the dream that I was experiencing. And it also applied to all the events that might happen in the future. In other words, I realized that in the future, I will continue dreaming up the experiences in my life that are in alignment, in accord with the energies of the environment, of the zeitgeist, the energy of time, the other parties involved, and of course, my own energy that I contribute. As a matter of fact, if I don't contribute energy to the manifestation of a particular event, 
it may not happen. Or if it does happen, well, it won't happen to me. It will happen to somebody else, maybe. So what does it mean? It actually gave me amazing insight into understanding that in the future, I have a freedom of choice. If I have a particular dream I would like to manifest, well, I need to align my energy with the energy of the dream so that it would support the manifestation of that dream. And if I focus on things that I don't want, guess what's going to happen? I will actually contribute to the manifestation of exactly that which I don't want. Well, that gave me such a tremendous insight that I realized that even the event of being kidnapped was not a problem. It was actually an amazing learning opportunity. So from that point on, I actually stopped perceiving anything happening in my life as a problem. If there are some setbacks, I fully recognize that they are tremendous learning opportunities. Perhaps I haven't learned the lessons that they presented, but there is something for me to learn from them. And as I learn, then I stop dreaming up these events over and over again. Because the reason why some people create cyclical crisis or create a repetitive events in their lives that they dread or they uh, hate to happen is because they haven't learned the lessons. And the reason why is because they didn't perceive those events as learning opportunities. They were perceiving it as a problem. So they were trying to fix the problem, get rid of it, solve it, run away from it, pretend it's not happening. In other words, they were struggling against it mm-hmm. instead of actually accepting it and learning. Now, that requires a totally different state of consciousness, acceptance and learning, as opposed to trying to run away from problem or being in denial that it's happening. And so what we do is we basically continue applying this wherever we go, whatever happens in our lives, we can live our lives problems-free. How would that what it be like for you if you lived your life problem-free? I think that would be a wonderful life. A, I love to welcome problems because as you mentioned, that allows me a chance to learn a life lesson. But B, once I go beyond those problems, in a way, it seems like I'm welcoming more problems, but in a way that is allowing myself to grow. So yeah, thanks a lot for sharing your story. As you look back at your life in just one sentence, what would that one major life lesson be that you'd like to share with our listeners? The life is a dream. Are you awake? Are you lucid in this dream? That's my question for you. So thanks for sharing that. We'll definitely have that in the show notes as well. You shared that your business was about providing bodyguard services to people. And at one point you were kidnapped, you were hurt, you put in a car trunk of a car and you were there out in the country for three days without food and water. That is a very, very challenging situation and a challenging situation. And I'm not sure a lot of people would be able to resonate because that is something extreme. But even then you realize that you dreamt this up due to the confluence of energies in your life at that point and that you were responsible in some way for where you ended up. In other words, you had a choice and that's why you decided further on to focus your energy only on the dreams that you wanted to manage. And I love that we are speaking about this theme again and again, where our focus goes, energy flows in that spot itself. So thanks a lot. Absolutely. Action Taker, we all have that inner voice deep in our mind that sometimes talks us out of taking action, questions our confidence and criticizes the mistakes that we make. You may not realize it, but that inner criticism might be having a negative impact on your subconscious. Instead, begin loving yourself. Welcome your mistakes and give yourself a pat on the back 
once in a while because as Louis Hay once stated you have been criticizing yourself for years it hasn't worked try approving of yourself and see what happens solama have you found your life's calling and if yes what is your life's calling at this point i would say very simply that chidao which is uh, my family style of qigong is uh, uh, the art that i became the lineage holder of in other words uh, when my grandfather passed away i became the lineage holder of chidao and uh, essentially it's my responsibility and i also perceive it as my calling to perpetuate this art so i teach other people how to become chidao practitioners i offer certification programs for basic intermediate and advanced levels of chidao practitioners and also from those who advance beyond the advanced level of training they become apprentices and eventually from the apprentices i hand pick uh, some of the most promising and, and most uh, advanced ones so we begin digging even deeper into our understanding of the art of chidao and how it transforms each and every aspect of our lives and that essentially may lead to some of those people becoming either lineage holders or somebody may become lineage holder in the future i'm still relatively young so i'm not in a hurry to appoint a lineage holder but that's certainly something that uh, i plan on doing at some point and so i'm training people to essentially be able to carry on wonderful that's really really inspiring and thanks a lot for breaking the whole process down for us so looking back now was there ever a special moment beyond which you were pretty confident you were sure and you were certain that your life was about to change well of course there are many moments in my life that happened like that i would say the most profound and at the same time the most challenging moment was not even the time when i got kidnapped it was actually during my service in the military just like i mentioned uh, doing bodyguarding service essentially playing the role of a body sattva saving people's lives uh, even in the military i was involved in search and rescue operations uh, during the war in afghanistan and uh, it was winding down so the soviet troops were withdrawing and taliban was basically taking over the country and uh, some of the soldiers were either missing in action or lost somewhere uh, some of the remote outposts were hard to evacuate and so uh, we did some search and rescue missions trying to find people or evacuate them and during one of those missions uh, i was a sergeant of uh, my platoon and uh, one of my soldiers stepped on a landmine and he was walking right in front of me so he got blown into bits and i got hit by the blast and thrown several feet uh, into the air and uh, went into coma spent seven days in a coma Uh, that definitely was a tremendous experience and what was interesting about it is that when m- most people think about somebody in coma they assume that that person is just in vegetative state i experienced tremendous number of dreams and these dreams were not just ordinary dreams like we have at night that cover a span of maybe several hours sometimes several days you know how the dream time kind of stretches or compresses in a way that uh, it defies the, the laws of mechanical time you know you can dream of maybe several months of your life in the span of just one night's sleep but in my coma experience i actually had several dreams that covered a span of entire lifetime and i literally lived the entire lifetime in the dream and then i would wake up from the dream and i would be like wow that was interesting wow. and i would remember that I had a dream. I'd been practicing a dream practices dream yoga uh, since I was a kid and I remembered that I had the dream but eventually I would forget and I would just go on with a new dream that also would cover the entire length of a lifespan. And then something would happen and the dream would come to an end and I would just wake up into another dream. And it went on and on. And 
at a certain point, I started realizing, hmm, something is really weird about this experience. I remember all those several dreams from which I woke up, and they were so long and so vivid. They were just like... And so I, I started kind of wondering what it was all about. So in my dream, I actually was at my grandfather's house, and I went to him, and I started asking him questions. Like, what do you think, Grandpa, this is about? Um, I just had a dream in which I lived an entire whole new life. And then I woke up from that dream in another one, and that one also lasted a whole lifespan. And I woke up from that one, so now I'm talking to you. What do you think this might mean? And he just looked at me, smiled. He said, well, what do you think? And I said, oh, I don't know. <laughs> he said, well, what do you think you're dreaming right now? I said, oh, well, good question. Let me check. <laughs> so I turned around. There was a wall behind me. In Russia, they build walls made of bricks and, and mortar. So I punched that wall, and it was totally solid. So I turned back to him and said, well, it doesn't feel like a dream. And he just smiled and laughed, actually. It gave me a big bear hug. And you know, like if you uh, take a, an air balloon and squeeze it on one end, the other one would puff up, the other end of the balloon yeah. would puff up a big... Well, that's exactly what I experienced. Yeah. <laughs> My grandfather squeezed me like an air balloon and I puffed up and I started floating in the air. And I was like, holy cow, I am definitely dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm floating by the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, I couldn't stay in the dream awake for some reason. You know, like uh, sometimes we get so excited about realizing that we're dreaming, becoming lucid, we actually wake up from the dream. Well, that's exactly what happened. I woke up from that dream and found myself in a hospital bed, in a field hospital, uh, just big tent with several beds in. And I looked around and uh, there were no people in beds. They were not made. They looked like people just left in a hurry. And I was like, well, that's strange. And I looked at myself and my body seemed unhurt. So I got up, I moved around, and I got out of the tent. I didn't see anyone. And I was like, this is weird. Where are people? There's this compound, but there's nobody in it. And it looked like people just left so i went to the gateway and uh it looked like there were tracks uh, like uh, tire tracks uh, that were very recent on the dust on the road so i went down the road and i kept looking and i saw the valley but i couldn't really see into the valley but i saw a big tall rock spire on the side of the road and it was really tall and so i figured well if i climb to the top of the rock formation i will be able to see into the valley so maybe i'll see what's going on there why did people leave me behind <laughs> so I started climbing. I had been rock climbing before the military service, so I was relatively confident in my rock climbing. Obviously, I didn't have any gear. So I'm climbing this rock, and I climbed about halfway to the top. And then, you know how in a dream, if you pay attention to your dream body, it actually may help you realize that you're dreaming. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what happened to me at that moment. I'm paying very close attention to my dream body because I'm clinging onto this rock. <laughs> and I realized, mm -hmm. wow. I am actually in a dream. And so I decided, well, why do I need to climb this rock? If I'm dreaming, I can just fly to the top of it. <laughs> so <laughs> I pushed myself away from that rock for formation. And instead of flying to the top of, of it, I actually fell straight down, <laughs> mm. hit the ground, woke up again in a different dream. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And uh, in that dream, I see a nurse looking at me, says, oh, look at this one. And he's, she's talking to another nurse. She said, oh, this one woke up from his coma. And I'm like, oh, <clears throat> clearing my throat, saying, well, I know this is a dream. I am totally 100% positive this is a dream. <laughs> and they're like, oh, now he's going to need uh, some PTSD therapy. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm like, yeah, uh, you're not going to trick me. I know this is a dream. <laughs> <laughs> and so ever since then, I have been living this life as a dream.
And I'm absolutely positive it is because everything in my experience indicated to me as such. So this is also something that um, obviously it gave me a very different slant on life, if you will. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that those wonderful stories of having those dreams within dreams within dreams and it sort of uh, brought to my mind the movie Inception <laughs> and I also know that Edgar Allan Poe has a quote I'm not sure exactly how the quote uh, you know what it states but it says a dream within a dream it ends that way and he wrote so much poetry about having those dreams but thanks a lot for sharing and this brings us to the last round for today's episode the wisdom round and by the way this is a rapid fire round that contains just four questions are you ready sure great so what is the best advice that someone's ever given you i think the best advice was uh, something that i received from carlos castaneda uh, i studied with him for a short time when i lived in la in the uh, mid 90s and uh, i asked him about my health in particular one of my eyes which stopped seeing at a certain point in my life um, when i was studying with a different teacher a qigong master and uh, he literally just stared into my eye and it stopped seeing and I asked him what the heck happened. And, and he said, oh, I just sent a little energy loop into your brain just trying to read your mind. I said, well, my eye doesn't see anything any- anymore. And so he tried to heal it, but it actually never healed. So I couldn't see anything with that eye. And when I moved to the United States, I ended up uh, meeting Carlos Castaneda and, and some of his cohorts. And uh, I asked him if he could help me heal that eye because I thought, well, he was uh, a well-known practitioner of uh, Nagual sorcery. So maybe he had some power. And he looked at me and he kind of checked uh, my energy and he said, you know, that master of yours, he had greater power than mine. So I'm afraid I can't help you. You need to either find somebody who has greater personal power than him, or you need to accumulate greater personal power yourself. Oh, that certainly inspired my quest on uh, becoming more powerful myself because I realized that that is the source of uh, not just empowerment and uh, self-healing, but it applies to pretty much everything that you do in your life. Name a personal habit that keeps you strong. Practicing Qigong. (laughs) 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 This is obvious. (laughs) Great, great. We'll have that in the show notes for sure. What is your morning ritual like? What do you do during the first two hours of your day? I wake up and I spend some time recalling my dreams. It's a fantastic practice that allows you to connect with your dreams. And especially if you ever try to become a, a practitioner of lucid dreaming or practitioner of dream yoga, uh, it's something that you have to do because even if you had a lucid dream but you can't remember any of your dreams, then what's what's the benefit of that? <laughs> so I spend a fair amount of time recalling my dreams, discussing my dreams with my partner. We exchange uh, experiences or lessons that we learned in our dreams and also uh, look at what is it that I could have done differently in those dreams or any particular Mm. dream and uh, essentially recognizing that there are lessons that uh, uh, exist in each and every one of those dream experiences and of course after that I also practice some meditation and some uh, you know using the bathroom (laughs) and uh, having some tea and and go on with my day I usually practice some brief practice of empowerment it goes obviously beyond the scope of our discussion today, what that practice is all about. But I can certainly say that those days when I practice empowerment are a lot more harmonious than those days when I don't practice empowerment. In other words, I set in motion the energy of my day in the morning 
and definitely the results are uh, proof is in the pudding mm-hmm. so name a book that you would like to recommend for our listeners other than my own <laughs> Well, I wrote a book called Art of Being in the Flow, and I certainly recommend that one. Uh, there are several other books on the subject of flow. For example, uh, last year I interviewed uh, the uh, man uh, who almost single-handedly pioneered the whole terminology of the flow, uh, Csikszent Mihaly. He is a doctor of uh, psychology uh, in Chicago, and he wrote several books, one including the book called Flow and several other books on the subject of how to be in the flow and how to identify certain triggers or certain facilitators that can facilitate the flow and also how to stop engaging in those activities or behaviors that prevent you from being in the flow. So Action Tribe, to access today's show notes, visit my7chakras.com forward slash 119. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 119. Salama, thank you so much for joining us today. Before you go, tell us one thing that you're really grateful for and tell us the best way we can find you. Well, I'm definitely very grateful for coming to the United States uh, from the former Soviet Union because I actually ended up being the first Tibetan Lama who received the United Religious Asylum from Ukraine. And uh, I recently, last year, received the U.S. citizenship. So I was really grateful for that. And of course, I'm very grateful for being able to do what I love doing. It's something that I wouldn't change for anything else. And how do we find you online? Well, as you mentioned in the beginning of our interview, my website address is uh, qigongcoaching.com. You can spell it Q-I-G-O-N-G, C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G.com, qigongcoaching.com. You can also spell it in many other ways, <laughs> such as C-H. I-K-U-N-G coaching.com all of these will lead to the same website basically as I pioneered this whole profession I just registered all the domain names no matter how you spell it (laughs) I think that was really smart of you so listeners Action Tribe Action Takers if you want to learn more about this wonderful practice of learning how to cultivate the energy within your body learning how to tap into the universal life force learning how to allow and let the energy flow so that you can focus accordingly then go to qigongcoaching.com that's q-i-g-o-n-g c-o-a-c-h-i-n-g dot com we'll have the link up in the show notes as well so that people who uh, want to go learn more can always click the link and go straight to Lama Tantrapa's website and if you're interested in checking out my own talk show it's uh, at qigongmasters.com perfect it's the secrets of qigong masters is the name of the show and the website is qigongmasters.com we'll have the link up as well Lama thank you so much for coming on our show talking to us about the power of qigong and taking us one step closer to a human revolution absolutely it's my pleasure you are listening to My 7 Chakras go to my s-e-v-e-n chakras.com download your free gift get inspired and take action transform your life today Thank you.